Hello, everyone, and welcome to the debut episode of our new Patreon show, Previewing the Past. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how we doing? Getting ready for the newest show that we're doing here. Like, we don't do enough podcasts already. Well, you do more than I do, but I'm ready for this because I'm actually, like, super jacked for previewing the past. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. So I hope it shows when this comes out. <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine who, uh, he's another podcast-heavy person like I do, and there's this one group that puts out 17 a month, mm-hmm. or they put out 17 in December, and they're like, yeah, it really burned us at both ends, and so on and so forth. And these are people who, like, that's their job. And I'm thinking to myself, I put out, like, 12 a month? Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. That's a We're 16 a month, you know? No, is it? It's 12 because it's three long box heroes is three after darks. and th- Or, I'm sorry, four after darks. Four long box heroes is in four uh, at odds. Right. And then and doing I... the previewing the past and then doing the babbling brooks, that's going to put me at. 14 a month and then how many times are you guest starring somewhere um not as frequently as it's been lately you know some it it runs hot and cold you know you're running out of wrestling to talk about the tank's almost empty no 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 there's never uh (laughs) a shortage of wrestling to talk about right you know as we record this on a saturday night there's been a lot that's happened just since adam and i recorded thursday uh <laughs> for at odds with wrestling and i'm sure there's gonna be a lot more that uh now and again i don't want this to turn to the wrestling show of course but here will. we are <laughs> todd i i really think that you would enjoy the ongoing storyline between otis of heavy machinery and mandy rose a beautiful lady Oh, well, it's natural love. Right. Well, uh, it started three weeks ago when Cesaro, the tall cow milker, mm-hmm. knocked uh, knocked Otis's ham out of his hands. He had a oh. giant ham that he was eating. Mm-hmm. Then Mandy Rose felt bad for Otis and gave him a new ham the following week. <laughs> right. And then he, he also gave her, she gave uh, Otis a kiss and that made Otis all like hot and bothered. And after his match, he gave her a hug, but he was all sweaty. And he's a he's a mammoth of a man. I he think is. He, but when he does the caterpillar, though, damn, that's right. It looks it looks good. And then this week, he had his mom make him a fruitcake for her. And then that dirty Dolph Ziggler came and stomped on the cake. Oh, you, that those are true villains getting in the way of real love. That's right. And These nothing's the, nothing's more real than love in wrestling. That's all I'm gonna say. That's right. And uh, this is, you know, uh, the first episode of this is going out on all the feeds. It'll be up on Patreon for everyone to grab. It'll be up on the After Dark feed, and it'll be up on the main show, Longbox Heroes feed, which is the clean feed, so we'll see how this goes. Um, You know, we're going to certainly try not to swear as much as we do on the other shows, but if something Mm -hmm. slips through, I'll try to warn you, you know? There you go. So, let's start about how the origins of this show came to be, right? Good, because I, I can't remember. So it was about two months ago. It was the uh, November 5th episode of this show, episode 275, right? Mm-hmm. So I forget how it came up during the course of the show, but, oh, you know what? We were talking about Vertigo coming back. Mm-hmm. And 
we that led us to talking about when we remember Vertigo's changing in previews. And we were trying to line up when DC flipped everything over from, you know, DC books that became Vertigo to Vertigo books and when previews started. Right. They were suggested for mature readers and then they became Vertigo books. Right. So then we get down looking into like how long previews been around for. And we got into that, of course, and that led us into that previews has been around for a little over 30 years. So the episode goes up, and then the next day we get tagged by one of our listeners, Dwayne, and I'm just looking up his Twitter handle here, uh, Dulascar, D-E-U-L-A-S-C-A-R on Twitter. Right. He sent us a link to a site that was selling like a random issue of previews that talks about the debuting adjectiveless Spider-Man from McFarlane at Marvel, and they were selling it for like three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So we were just like aghast by this. We're like, this is crazy. This is you know the silliest thing I've ever seen in my life. So then we just kind of like go on twi- uh, on eBay just to see how much you know random issues of previews are, and there was nothing on there as of that day. And then, like, a couple days later, some guy puts up an entire lot of all of 1990s previews, except for one issue. Right. So now Todd and I are like, okay, we were talking at the shop how cool it would be to, like, look at those old previews and just kind of, like, talk about what was in them. And I think even our retailer had a random one that we sat and thumbed through Mm -hmm. talking about some of the crazy stuff that was in there. Yep. So now I start bidding on these 1991s. Now he has the entire year except for one issue, and I lose out on another issue. So we end up with 10 issues. We're missing two. Is it April and May, or is it May no. and June of 1990 that we're missing? It is May and June of 1990. Okay, so every every episode of this show, up until it comes time for us to do the May episode, we're going to send out impassioned pleas to you, the listeners, to pass along to retailers or anyone that you know that may have some weird stockpile of old previews so we can get to May and April, or May and June, rather. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, we then bid on those, and then we see some 1991 ones that are up, and then we see, like, some other random ones. So we're Todd and I are just bidding back and forth. <laughs> well, trying to get these previews. Let me step in here. Go ahead. We're, that's a strong word, we. Because, okay. Because I did get a bit of a sticker shock when you told me. You were like, yeah, I get, you know those ni- 1990 uh, previews? I got them. I'm like, oh, okay, how much? I was like, oh, Elizabeth, this is the big one. I mean, all joking aside. But I was like, that was like, okay. Um, so you were, were bidding them up and then telling me what you paid. There's a I just want full disclosure. Well, you did end up bidding on a couple after that. Yeah, I did buy one. Yes, I did buy one and have it sent to my house. So I'm only busting you, Joe. Right, but as we started doing this, I'm like talking to Todd. I'm like, okay, we're working on this. We're looking at this. And now, granted, we didn't spend no like two or $300 or whatever Mile High Comics is asking for their whatever is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the total that we ended up spending was a little over $200. Right. To get from December 1989, which is what we'll be talking about today, to December of 1991, missing 
the uh, ju- uh, the May and June issues of 1990 of 1990. Right. And I think I figured it out to be like almost $10 an issue and everything ends up being said and done. Like some of them obviously sold for a little bit less than others. And hopefully this turns into some Patreon uh, signups and even still at the end of everything, uh, you know, we'll see if I could flip them because I still see that they are going for a hefty sum online at some of these. Right. And then we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So let's get down to brass tacks here. Let's thumb through together, Todd and I, the 1989 December issue of previews. Now we did put some of uh some selected pages up on the preview or uh, on the patreon page for this i think when the episodes go live uh in between us recording them and putting the episode up i'll put a few selected pages up or if you guys want to see the whole thing you know that's something that we'll take suggestions on of how that could work you know right that makes sense so the cover of this uh this month's previews 1989 december talks about some dc contemporary <laughs> classics Right. We've got uh, Legion of Superheroes, the uh, Great Darkness Saga. We've got New Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. And I really like that cover on that, too. That is a sweet cover. Uh, Justice League, A New Beginning by J.M. DeMattis, Kevin McGuire, and Salty Keith. Mm-hmm. And a little-known book, I don't think DC really talks about this one very much these days, and that's Dark Knight Returns. Right. I just think it's funny that, like, of those books on there, here we are some, you know, 30 years later, and one of them is no longer a contemporary classic, but an actual classic. Yeah, Justice League, right, gotcha. (laughs) But no, um, I'm just one of those things on Justice League, uh, that cover, because this was the first printing of that Justice League um, in trade paperback form. So I almost bought secondhand now not from the artist uh the the cover for that but the cover was done in on like each 11 by 17 page there was three squares with individual faces on it and then the rest of the the page was blank and the next page would have three more do you know what i mean yeah so it was like three just three small squares and they didn't even fill up the 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 whole page from top to bottom was like oh i wish i bought those because they were so beautiful (laughs) and shockingly enough joe i have a copy of that and all the subsequent printings with different – all the covers after that are the classic Justice League 1 cover. That's the only one that has that. And I wonder what that one goes for, uh, like this – the the new beginning with this cover today. Not, not much because I ended up picking up – there's a second – uh, which might be in one of the uh, previewing the past coming up where there's the second one has a different cover that was never used again. And I ended up buying those – a few years ago for next to nothing uh, to fill in my collection. Uh-huh. So. so as we uh, turn into the cover here, uh, inside cover, of course, we've got a full page print ad for The Dark Knight Returns with a foreword by Alan Moore. 13 bucks in 1989 money. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, inflation has affected that book very much because I think it's probably less today if you were to buy it. Okay. Like, not that printing, but I would say if you were to buy a trade of just The Dark Knight Returns, it's probably 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And of the of the ones, all four, that were on the cover and, like, we're on this one, that's the one that I think, you know, you say is the classic today. I think it holds up the least of all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I, I'm not a big fan of uh, The Dark Knight Returns now, as I was back then. 
Actually, you know what? Uh, it's twelve ninety five here. Uh, I mm-hmm. rounded up thirteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, in print, you could buy it. The retail price in print is twelve ninety nine. So this book, uh, the retail price of this book has gone up four cents in thirty years. <laughs> that's that's an interesting stat, there, Joe. Yes. Now, uh, next page here. Uh, the gems of the month. Typically, this gets like four pages now in previews. And uh, this kind of gets, uh, we're going to discuss the layout of this book and hopefully as it changes mm-hmm. as the uh, months go on. But they're pushing something uh, by Pepe Moreno called Batman Digital Justice, an X-Men from the Ashes trade paperback, a uh, Calvin and Hobbes collection <laughs> called Weirdos from Another Planet, and Namor the Submariner, A Return to Greatness. Burn. Burn and white check, it says right there. Of course it was uh, good. So we're going to turn the page here. Mm-hmm. And then we have a page here of insider information. Yes. And this is just some general information about some of the uh, aforementioned hot books, uh, specifically a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, when Archie was printing the all-ages ones. Uh, Caliber has something called Fringe that's coming out, and it says this should appeal to your X or your Mister X and Grendel customers. Also, but this is like retailers of how yes, to push this, these books. Ah, yeah, there you this, go. This was probably at this time. I don't remember because I don't remember ever getting previews. But back at this time, because I was in a different terrible store at this time, <laughs> so I don't know if. Uh, everybody got a copy of previews or if they had order forms that they would give you with just, you know, slight information, if that makes any sense. I don't remember uh, seeing this brand of, you know, the, 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 the slender read of a previews of 90 some pages. Right. So, right. So as I'm just looking this over here, uh, you know, DC of course gets a ton of uh, press with this, but this is one of those things not unlike comics of the day where it'd say, like, continued on third page. Mm-hmm. This ro- The insider information rolls over onto page 76. One would think that you would just kind of keep everything together, but again, I mentioned the, the layout of this book leaves a lot to be desired. Right. Well, this is, like, what, the second year of previews? So, mm-hmm. they're still ironing, they're hashing out the problems. I also want to point out in the DC uh, Insider information, it says, a reminder, Kevin Maguire is drawing all of the covers to the (laughs) new Superboy series, except for the photo cover on issue one. This will have a positive impact on sales. (laughs) And you know what? He did all those covers on Superboy, which blows my mind. Um, And it did have a positive effect on sales because Mm -hmm. I bought them all. Just some other notable ones here. Sales should be high on the 50... I've gone to page 76 just so we can kind of keep up with the insider information, which I'm fascinated by. Uh, Sales should be high on the 56-page origin story of Justice League Antarctica in Justice League Annual Number 4. This should appeal to all Justice League customers. One of the greatest issues of all time, Joe. So I'm... I, that's that's the truest statement that's probably going to be in this book. 
Uh, but also they have, I was also getting, uh, this is, this month is the first time that DC comics has featured the Dragonlance graphic novels as previous graphic novels. The drag, uh, I was getting all of those back in the day and was a big, uh, I was reading the novels. So I was getting the graphic novels too. So good. Uh, uh, this, oh my God. We're in the heyday of everything that I was buying. Joe. Uh, I moved on to the Marvel thing. Cause we can kind of just like go over as you know, we could just sit here and read the entire thing, but I think. Right, no, I don't know how that's you know, this is getting the hang of things. You know, over on Marvel's side is a book entitled Steel Town Rockers. It says begins a new series based on rock and roll. All right, very vague. Um, with art by uh veteran artist Steve Leahola, and it says appeal to fans of the rock and roll comics, which was actually a line of comics that were coming out at this time. Yep, I remember um, those. Was plans to have MTV provide coverage. Ron Lim is beginning a run on Captain America. Uh, Howard the Duck is making a comeback in She-Hulk. A lot of She-Hulk going on. You forget how hot She-Hulk was back in the day, right? Right, that John Byrne stuff. That's what, you know, put that back on the map. But I think he was gone by this point. Uh, Being a big fan of street poet Ray, I was (laughs) overjoyed to see Marvel was producing Street Poet Ray, number one, a four-issue miniseries. One moment you're laughing, the next you're thinking intently. This book will appeal to new customers as well as a portion of your Gru fans. I am blanking on Street Poet Ray, to tell you the truth. (laughs) Well, that's why I brought it up. And then Now Comics is having the first issue of their Married with Children comic. Uh, watch for it to have the same kind of raunchy humor that has made the TV show so popular and will appeal to those same people. So this is kind of interesting that it's like ways to push uh, these books on your uh, your customers if you were a retailer. Right. But uh, I wonder if they get insider information now, but it's all in like emails and stuff like that. Right, right. That's what I'm thinking here as well. Mm-hmm. Now, as we move on here to page three, we uh, have your diamond cycle sheets. I guess that's your uh, order forms for the uh, retailers they can buy as well. You you have to buy those, though. It's 50 for uh, $12.50. Or you can get a copy of Dark Knight Returns and trade for that same price. Mm-hmm. I always laugh because our retailer does cycle sheets, and I wonder if uh, he just bought these and then Xerox. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Like, why buy a pack if you could just print them out? You know what I mean? I don't know. Now, also, I notice, of course, and this is very interesting, uh, you know, Ad, uh, Aardvark Vanheim Publishing that does Cerebus, we have, it's it's not something that you see in the actual previews these days. It's like, here's a bunch of issues that you can reorder. Like, mm-hmm. here's the most recent issue, 131, coming out with no solicitation text. Here's an issue of Cerebus High Society number two, which is a reprint, High Society number three, which is a reprint, and then just offered again issues 95, 97, 98, 99, and 101. Right. Interesting to me that they did that back then. Like I said, now I'm imagining all that stuff is in, like, you know, emails or stuff that goes directly to the retailer. But I vaguely remember them doing, they still have occasionally, but it's not so much with issues. It's more like this is still available, but it's usually trades, not individual issues. 
that's you know. But I can't believe Cerebus was a hundred. I, I was reading Cerebus at the time. I feel old. They one hundred and thirty-one, and they get, made it to three hundred. <laughs> Took them a long time, but they still did it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we turn page four and five. We're looking at here, and immediately my eyes go to page five, which is a full page ad for uh ARCL Publishing's Epic Sci-Fi Epic Fantasy for Adult Sapphire. Mhm. Now, more so than that than that's their new thing that they're pushing. Uh again the and it says adult material nudity and sexual situations in there. But uh ARCL was also the publisher of the Men in Black comic book, which when I looked at this, I went to, I completely forgot that because I thought that was Malibu. So did I. But apparently this is, it was there first and they're even uh, like, it seems like they were doing, you know, all this stuff that's laid the groundwork for the movie early on in here. So I'm thinking this is like the first actual miniseries of Men in Black. Uh, I don't know. Right. And again, unfortunately, a lot of the um, solicitations here just give last names of creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not really sure who the Cunningham and Carruthers that are doing that book are. Probably the creators of Men in Black. <laughs> right. But I don't remember the Sapphire book either. And I don't remember uh, Air Cell having uh, adult stuff. You know what I mean? Like this has like another like Leather and Lace was one by the same by the same creator who was doing uh, Sapphire. So I guess that was his paying gig back then. I guess, yeah. So we move on to pages uh, six and seven here. We're in the Archie comics section. This is back before you had like your primary publishers getting an upfront spot. Uh, DC and Marvel had to wait their turn back in the, <laughs> the D's and the M's respectively. When they were in the main part of previews, Marvel right. first left and then DC later. But the two things that jump out for me would be the uh, the all ages based on, I guess, more inspired by the cartoon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book and also a Bayou Billy book. The uh, the Konami NES game. I did not realize that had a uh, comic book. I did not. I... You know how you know why I didn't know there was a comic because I didn't know there was a video game of Bayou oh, Billy. See, I'm, that was my era of video games, so I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with a lot of those books. You know, or the, a lot right. of those games. There's not any of the uh, tie-in comics. You know, your Mario's and your Zelda's had comics, but uh, Bayou Billy. I'm surprised of all the Konami projects or properties to get a book. That's the one. You know, Castlevania's right there. Right. Are you going to go out and get your uh, copies, back issues of Bayou Billy now that you know about them? No, I'm okay. Mm. Uh, moving along, uh, we have Blackthorn Publishing, Caliber Publisher. Now, Caliber is still kicking here today. Mm-hmm. And they have a higher price in a lot of their stuff. They have some trades and stuff and a book called Fringe that I've never heard of. But uh, I like that little piece of art that they have accompanying it. And in that this... goes over onto the next page where it gets a full-page uh, publicity ad. With the tagline, Fringe is Fringe, Joe. So you know <laughs> that it's Fringe Comics. I guess. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. But, 
So we're over on pages eight and nine now. This is a comic interview, comic review, comics interview. These are like, I guess, what's the publication that's out now that I guess that would take care of these? Um, I would say maybe back issue. Okay. Back issue. But these were the dirt sheets at the time, as you would call them. That's uh, true. It was all the news that was fit to print. Comics interview back in the day had what, you know, was one of my favorites. Because remember ba- the ba- last couple of pages were all the movies that were in production. Yes. And who was involved with, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be playing Sergeant Rock and stuff like that. And, like, how, like, 99% of them never came true. Still waiting for that She-Hulk with Brigitte Nielsen to come out. Didn't they do, like, test footage of that? They did. They had her painted green in, like, a purple, shiny, one-piece uh, bathing suit. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because that, like, was featured prominently every issue, I think. Uh, got That one got worn out by a lot of the trade uh, publications, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, moving along. So, the last part on page nine here, I see Continuity Comics, and I see a ton of stuff there by Neil Adams. That was his, co- that's his company. That's his oh, Continuity okay. Comics. That's the one he created back in the day mm-hmm. to show people how to do comics the right way. Um, I don't remember half of these books, but I do remember Continuity, and it was called Continuity Studios, uh, was that. And then it went into, like, from what I remember with his interviews, like, doing, like, uh, a lot of animation stuff and also advertising. So it was like a, this, if he was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm a legend. I'm going to do comics too. That's what I remember from continuity studios. So moving along here to page 10 and in, in this day and age, dark horse gets 80% of one page for all of their books. Right. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine books mm-hmm. by dark horse. And of those, one, two, two of them are collections. The rest are actual, like, issues of a comic book. Right. This was back before they had a ton of licensed material for Dark Horse. When they yeah, were they have own... aliens, but they don't. I don't think they have Star Wars at this point yet. No. I wouldn't be surprised. Did Marvel? Well, we'll get there. Did Marvel have Star Wars at this point? No, they probably it was the 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s that they ran off. There was probably no... Star Wars comics at this time. You know, this was back before, like, between the 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 the, reg- the original movies and the prequels. So, I don't know if there was anything. Right. Now, this next page is the beginning of the DC stuff. Um, and this is, you know, uh, the backlist. This is kind of like what was their evergreen stuff that they were offering all the time. Kind of playing off the aforementioned uh, cover of the book that says Contemporary Classics. Uh, they have Death in the Family, Dark Knight Returns, Killing Joke, Year One, uh, Batman, Son of the Demon, Camelot 3000, which we've talked about on the main show is one of those cultural touchstone books for some people. Mm-hmm. And then the last one they have here is Superman, the Earth Stealers. And I have no idea what that is. I remember that. I never read it. But uh, I, I remember the cover of Superman, like, flying and, like, some big, like, mechanical sphere, like, sucking in planets one by one. Um, that's all I remember. But Burn, Swan, Swan, and Ordway, those are some big names on them. Right. Now, moving on to page 12 and 13, the continued push 
of the uh, gem of the month for DC, which is Batman Digital Justice, a which... uh, hardcover graphic novel for $25 in 1989 money. Because this was the first ever comic done uh, without like without drawn art. This was all digital done on a computer, Joe. Mm-hmm. So like this is the and I remember I remember this having multiple copies in our store because our retailer would get them in collections and they don't because this book is terrible. I believe this is one of those things where Batman has to go into a computer and blah blah blah. Oh. Well, let's let's read. And mm-hmm. there's interesting information that I want to point out. And this continues to lead me to believe that these were not readily available to consumers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the last remaining human cops of Gotham City su- suspects their computerized world has turned against them and resurrects the Dark Knight detective to battle a Joker computer virus within the vast memory of the computer. Can a computerized Batman defeat the Joker in the heart of the machine? This all-new graphic novel was completely produced on a Macintosh computer. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. Um, By European artist Pepe Moreno of Zeppelin and Revel with a writing assist by Doug Murray of The Nam. Also, Moreno discusses his technique in a special behind-the-scenes article, introduction by Mike Mike Gold, the original editor of the first-generation computerized comic Shatter. So, again, Shatter appears to be the first real computer-generated comic, this being the first one from a major publisher. Now, it does state here as well, note... The trade paperback edition of this will follow in approximately six months. Right. So that's interesting information to give that. Like, that's something maybe we take for granted today. The fact that they had to publish that in here. It's like, no, no, no. Don't worry. Maybe you can let people know that this will come out in a maybe smaller, maybe less expensive format in six months. Right. Um, Because I find that interesting. I didn't see... No, none of those early on ones that we read were uh, like on the cover were were hard covers like the Great Darkness Saga or anything like that. So, right. oh, another great, right? So they, I wonder at, like if the Digital Justice later would be like twelve dollars or something like that instead of a whopping twenty five. You know, <laughs> right. And a lot of uh, you know usual suspects here as we start the DC section, of course. I'd be remiss not to mention Justice League America number 37. A magazine prints a fabricated expose on the JLA, causing one member to quit. Continued in this month's uh, Justice League Europe 13. Spoiler alert, it was Booster. Oh, I tell ya. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm looking at this too. Uh, Manhunter by the Ostrander and Yale run. That was fantastic. And now that I know it's like they said back earlier on that uh kevin mcguire is gonna do all the superboy covers um I, that's one of the things i noticed is that they don't let you know in here anybody who's doing covers on these books right like unless a lot of them like i know firestorm and manhunter has like ostrander and yale or uh, ostrander and mandrake on the on firestorm i remember them actually doing the covers to what the, the books that they did but uh and I know Justice League America had a huge cover. I'm wondering if, like, all this, like, if we look over this more, if uh, they'll say when somebody who's not doing the interior is doing the covers. Because it was more, you know, uh, it was 
that seemed to be the the way you didn't have guest cover artists back in the eighties. So that's interesting to me. So we're on pages 14 and 15. Now there's a Batman portfolio mm-hmm. by George Perez. That's here for sale. Uh, now this is interesting. I have no recollection of these being a thing. Uh, this portfolio features black and white reproduction of George Perez's covers from Batman Year 3, and then these other random issues of Batman, and then Lonely Place for Dying. Also included are three all-new companion illustrations produced especially for this edition. Each 12-plate set comes in a handsome three-color folder. Did you have any of these? Did not have the Batman portfolio, but I do remember a lot of the portfolios and one that we won't see here. There was a history of the DC universe one that came out shortly after crisis. There was a two part, uh, uh, comic that was called history and a portfolio came out and there's like a Jonah hex by, uh, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. So I have that one that I bought separately. Um, but I never had too many of these portfolios, but there was a bunch, like we might see a bunch of these coming up if, when we do uh, later previews, but you don't remember them, DC putting out portfolios at all. Absolutely not. I have no recollection of these. And Mar- Marvel, I don't remember putting them out much, but then we'll find, I remember independent companies, like there was a concrete one by Paul Chadwick. Uh, there was others, like it was a big thing for a while. Like uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Jim Starlin had one for his, I can't think of one of the, uh, his uh, creator-owned stuff. Yeah, so I remember the portfolios pretty well. I never bought any because it always seemed like for 18 bucks, you know, I could buy, you know, nine comics instead of a portfolio. Right. Now, as and like, there's no real rhyme or reason to w- the way that these uh, books appear to be listed in here. But actually, if you get the order form, there's going to be. Oh, actually, it says it right at the top in very small print the shipping dates on these books. Right. But then they're not in any sort of real alphabetical order underneath the dates that they're shipping. Okay. Uh, pages 14, 15, I see this is the Star Trek books that were like a big deal over at DC at the time, written by Peter David. Uh, page 15, the Justice League America Annual Number 4 that we talked about before. Uh, first 1990 DC Annual features a big 56-page origin story of Justice League Antarctica. No, it's not a hoax, not an imaginary tale. The members include Major Disaster, Big Sir, Clock King, Multiman, and Clue Master. Yes, they were the Injustice League. In their first team outing, the group faces a most unusual <laughs> vampire. Oh, I we could spend the rest of the show talking just about that issue. <laughs> we're not gonna. No, that's I a know. great issue of a comic. That's my so far. That's my gem of the month for 1989 December. Uh, so far, that's that's uh, winning the pony, as you say. Um, <laughs> uh, I look here. We have checkmate. That's a book that only I remember. I have a complete run, and somebody's gonna be lucky enough to get that when I die. That's what I always say. If you're good, you get my run of checkmate. Uh, Legion uh, 90, which is one of my favorite by Grant Kitson and McKenna. Oh God, I miss these books. And then Sandman, when it was a mature readers, it has it right in there, Joe. It wasn't it wasn't uh, Vertigo yet. Right. Now who is the wheeler that's doing swamp thing at this time? Doug Wheeler. Go ask our retailer how much he really liked Doug Wheeler on that book, and he will give you the face of death. Because Doug Wheeler is the writer who came on after and had a finish 
after Rick Veach left in protest because of the the Jesus Christ issue that never happened. Oh yes, and Doug Wheeler had a had a fin, and then Nancy Collins came on. Nancy Collins is looked like fondly compared to everybody else, but Doug Wheeler, I believe Doug Wheeler was a poet who they brought on to write Swamp Thing. Like, cause it was just like, oh, this is like, you know, the, 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 the brainy book. We need somebody who's not just like, a, you know, and they brought Doug Wheeler. In, and I mean, you have Alan Moore, Rick Veach, and then Doug, it's just, you will never see that reprinted in any format as far as I'm concerned. Now, uh, moving on to pages 16 and 17 here, as I'm just looking, um, we have Legends of Dark Knight number six, and there's a big giant print ad for that later in the book. Uh, for the Grant Morrison, Klaus Janssen, uh, Batman project heralding Grant Morrison as written as the writer of the Arkham Asylum book, uh, both most famous for their work on, uh, or Jansen most famous for his work on uh, Daredevil and Dark Knight Returns. So I do know that later in the book this gets a big full-page ad, but, you know, you have in 1989... The team, you know, between behind Arkham Asylum and Dark Knight Returns on the writing and the art sides, uh, doing a book, and it just kind of gets like shuffled to the back of the DC section. And that was the book that started with those with those four different color versions of the comic and everything. Like uh, Legends of the Dark Knight started strong though, so I still think it had the rub from that at this time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, all that, but my thing on this page is Atlantis Chronicles. Even though we're already at two, which was done by Peter David, which pretty much set up all the stuff per- to when he would come on Aquaman later, which got us cool Aquaman before Jeff Johns did it. You know what I mean? So, and I remember that was out of print for literally like tw- like they did the seven issues. I don't. I think they maybe reprinted it once, but if they didn't, it was like twenty years before that saw print again. Well, Aquaman's popular now due to his movie, so this should be a, a regularly published thing, you know? Yep, it made it back because of that. Uh, over on page 17, I want to read this, and then I'll give you the title, of course. An object of great power falls into the hands of a derelict plaguing him with visions. But is he truly insane or simply attuned to a higher reality than the rest of us? But when the derelict loses the gift... It comes into the possession of a mild manner an office worker. What other sinister forces vie for the control of the Elvis Mandible? <laughs> Who will wield the king or the jawbone of the king? Read it here before you get it secondhand from the Inquirer. Oh. I miss Piranha Press and this sort of nonsense. That was a $3.50 book back then. <laughs> oh, I would have spent double to find out who got the Elvis Mandible, Joe. <laughs> oh, Mandible, that's good. And uh, we move over to the Disney section, where Disney was doing their own comics. And they are getting ready because 1990 is going to be the year of Dick Tracy. And we need to get books out now, things on the shelves. This is a prequel that leads into the third issue adaptation of the Walt Disney Pictures production of Dick Tracy, starring Warren Beatty and Madonna. Prestige mm-hmm. format, $4 comic, 1989 pricing. 
Yes. Um, I never read that, but on the next page, it's be on the lookout for Dick Tracy. Um, I actually really like that cover or whatever it is, that ad um, by Kyle Break- Baker. That looks fantastic. Yep. Um, I never read any of the Dick Tracy books, and I remember the flop that Dick Tracy the movie was. But uh, I don't know. I might, you know, go back and take a look at Kyle Baker drawing Dick Tracy. I never read those either because, like I said, I wasn't reading a ton of comics at this time, but I was very excited for the Dick Tracy movie. I was convinced that it was going to be the next Batman, which had just previously had come out, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I still uh, have a fond uh, spot in my heart for that film, even though it's not very good. Not me. I never, I mean, I barely, I watched it once maybe if, uh, you know, if that, if that. Over on page 19, there's a Hobbit poster, number three, which is the cover to the Hobbit adaptation comic book. It's a $9 poster. Poster's not really uh, something else that's been affected by inflation. No, but something that's not in previews anymore much. Like, DC never puts out any posters. I remember they used to, like, quite frequently. I have a massive collection of DC posters because when they put out a cool poster, I would buy it. Um, And they, I guess everything has just been licensed out now. Like if you go to Walmart or whatever, you'll see them in the, the poster frames on the, in the racks and stuff like that. But DC themselves hasn't put out a poster in, it feels like eight years, at least Marvel will put out some weird stuff every now and then, like those big vinyl posters that are in our shop, like above the doors and stuff like that. But for the most part, you don't see Marvel posters in previews at all. So I I do miss the day of posters. And I think we'll talk some more about posters as we continue in the uh, book here. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really jumping off for me on page 2021 is something called Lensman, which is from the people who brought you the Robotech comics. Right. I was never into any of those, like even the Robotech or any of those, uh, which would be like Japan comics that were brought over here, like G-Force or anything, whatever they did. I never read any of them. Yeah, this this is a licensed adaptation of the full-length Japanese animated feature Lensmen. Mm-hmm. No. Enough about that. More Lensmen stuff as we go over to page 22. Who's the publisher? It seems Eternity has a lot of uh, manga stuff that they've uh, right. brought over. Robotech stuff. Ninja High School. More Robotech. Uh, they do have a Sherlock Holmes comic. Ooh. Which was like one of them was the new limited series reprints the complete run of the first Sherlock Holmes comic strip created shortly before Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's death in 1930. I did not know there was a uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes comic in the in the in the 20 late 20s early 30s. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Each is reprinted and uncut in its original order, Joe. Oh. Very interesting. Mm hmm. You're going to get one of those Fantico Year of the Zombie sweatshirts? You beat me to it. In honor of the adaptation of Night of the Living Dead and the movie remake by George Romero, John Russo, and makeup maestro Tom Savini, all names I know, John (laughs) Russo, I take or leave, Fantico has set horror dude Shaz Bollum, editor of Deep Red magazine, actually I have several copies of, to work on a special design to commemorate 1990 as the year of the zombie. I did not know 
1990 was the year of the zombie. I need to update my calendars. The design features an apparitional zombie looming over a graveyard with the year of the zombie banner fe- uh, figured prominently. Printer Printed in maroon on a gray, high-quality Fruit of the Loom sweatshirt. <laughs> available in large and extra large. So I will not be getting one, sadly. Uh, but Fruit of the Loom was the shirt of all zombie t-shirts, I think. That's and right. Tom Savini, Sex Machine? Ah, uh, that's correct. Okay, that's the only way I'll know Tom Savini. Is sex ma- Did he marry Linnea Qu- Quigley? No. Um, okay. No, he did not. Okay, because I know Linnea Quigley was with one of those, uh, I'm pretty sure, like, makeup guys. That's why I'm thinking it's... Because when I think of, ma- like, uh, make like makeup, like, with a horror makeup, the only guy I think of is Tom Savini. That's my go-to name. He is the most famous of them all, I would say. Right, until you get back, like, to some of the guys, like, who played uh, the, the, Phantom of the, uh, the Phantom of the Opera. Now, see, that's weird that you would know this. So, Linnea Quigley was married to a special effects artist, a guy by the name of Steve Johnson. Oh, okay. Uh, Best-known creations, Slimer, uh, the alien seductress in Species... And uh, Dr. Octopus's arms in Spider-Man 2. See, I remember that because they actually had a horror special years ago or something. And this is the way I remember, Joe. You just This is going to be really stupid. He's like, hey, I'm a, I'm a guy who does makeup and everything. But here's an easy way for you kids to do, like, makeup at home. And all he did was take two corn, like, the, the corn candies and stick them on his teeth. And he's like, hey, kid, then now you have fangs. You're a vampire. <laughs> and I'm like, who is this guy with Linnea Quigley? From a the corn slime. ball. Right, from the slime bowl arama. You know, that's the way I remember it. So this is more of Fantagraphics on page 23 into 24. How crazy is it that Fantagraphics has more of a presence in this book than Dark Horse does? Right, but I bet that's swap now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They got their backlist of stuff. A lot they of had- Prince Valiant books that nobody, I'm sure, was buying. But I do believe, I think Dark Horse might have Usagi Yojimbo now. They do have Usagi Yojimbo now, yes. So they showed, Dark Horse showed them. Yes. Now, first comics here, in addition to doing the book that inspired the Mandalorian, the Lone Wolf and Cub reprints, Mm -hmm. they're also doing those classics illustrated, where they would take a uh, famous novel from history and make a comic book of them. Right. Which is where a lot of people got their, their, you know, their literature from growing up. Yes. So moving along here, pages 26 and 27. Now, there's a big push here on 27 uh, for Fleetway Comics, which is a company I've never even heard of, with books called Slain the Horned God, with uh, art by Simon Bisley. And, uh... Something called the New Statesman. I have no recollection of either one of these books. I remember Slain because I always wanted it because it was a Bisley project. Right. And I remember that being around for years and pushed because it may, like, don't hold me, this may have won awards for, like, how it looked. But that was, like, Simon Bisley, like, to me, at the height of, like, what he was doing. And I never got around to getting it. But I remember Slain the Horn God being pushed for, like, the longest time by Fleetway. And slash quality comics. 
Yeah, so we move on to pages 28 here, and there's another thing here where Fleetway gets their own second full-page ad, which lists all the books they have coming out, which includes three, two uh, Judge Dredd books. Mm -hmm. Oh, my. That'll get you in here, I guess, you know? Judge Dredd was popular, I guess, at this time. Was this around the Stallone movie? Uh, no, the Stallone movie wouldn't come out until, like, maybe, like, the early 90s, like, 93, 94. Right, hot off the heels of Demolition Man, probably. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, we talked, I, I mentioned it here a little bit before, The uh, well, Gladstone has the Duck properties, the Donald Duck and Scrooge McDuck books, and they're also selling a bunch of uh, Disney posters. Very odd to see Disney have their one separate section for Dick Tracy and not have this sort of stuff. Right, but uh, check out those Carl Barks Deluxe Limited poster sets and check out their them prices in 1989, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> eight bucks, eight bucks, eight bucks. You know, nothing getting an upright yet. No, but the spotlight on the Carl Barks Deluxe Limited poster set, only $240. Where am I looking at that? Page twenty. Oh, the deluxe limited poster set. There you go. That's 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 two hundred and forty. But the Carl Barks just deluxe set, whatever the difference is there, is only a hundred and twenty. Mm-hmm. So like you can get them for half the price. I don't even. Oh. Now I want to point this out to you, Todd. Of course, from Imagination Publishing. Uh, their magazine, when the fabric of time and reality is ripped to shreds <laughs> and the crews of both the Starship Constella- Consolation Prize, both old and next generation meet, it's a time It's time to call a doctor. Doctor Whom, that is. <laughs> doctor Whom meets Star Wreck, takes three of TV's most popular sci-fi programs and bashes them together in one computer-generated Full color comic. Oh, computer generated. I'm sold. They got a scarf looking guy on the cover. That's all I need. How much was that? A buck seventy five. Oh, buck seventy five. I wonder that... if that even exists today. Like, or were, were all copies destroyed? <laughs> I think they were all confiscated. Yes. Um, Vampire Lestat by Innovation. I remember those having like this. See, now here is one that says cover by John Bolton. So, like, I guess, but those were, that's how I remember them, because the Vampire Stat covers were beautiful. And there was, there was a, a girl, like, see, this was 1989, so I was in 11th grade, who loved the Anne Rice vampire novels. And when she found out that there was a comic of them, adaptations, I had to get them for her. And it was funny, because it was like, like, back then I was the comic, you know, I had to run and get comics for a woman in 1989. That was fantastic. Man, how times have changed. Yes, they could. women could just walk into comic shops on their own now, Joe. That's right. They don't even need to be escorted in by anyone. It's amazing. Right. Now, you mentioned here Innovation Comics, and they talk about how they specifically cite if there are different cover artists. And I see Adam Hughes doing a lot of work for Innovation at this point. Right. He was doing the Maze Agency, um, doing the covers at least. Um and there was a maze book. I don't know if those were reprints, the maze book. But, yeah, I remember him because he doesn't have much in, pr- like, print. He, I only remember him having a couple issues up till recently. He did, like, those uh, 
a couple Archie books. But it was like he had Justice League Europe for a little bit, and then that went out of print. Some Maze stuff, and like a Star Trek miniseries. Like all these years, he was like he did few interiors, mostly covers. But I remember the Maze stuff at that time. I don't know if you remember it at all. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> that's why I enjoy. That's why this is very interesting to me. Right. So continuing um, here, uh, page 32 is going to be the beginning of Marvel stuff, unless there was anything else previous uh, page there. Um, just for me on page 30 from Jade Man Comics, I'm wondering if they're still making Oriental Heroes, oh boy. the comic. I just don't think that's going to fly in today's you know day. But I don't remember Last Gasp, Kitchen Sink to a little bit, but I that was all like super independent stuff that I never trusted or never touched trusted. <laughs> um, I was like, I don't trust those darn independent comics at that time. Um, but Marvel, fantastic, man. Now, I do want to go back to Marvel because when we were reading about um, – so they, they push the Steel Town Rockers book in the insider's information, you know? Mm-hmm. So here we have the write-up on Steel Town Rockers, a six-issue miniseries chronicling the lives of a group of teenagers in a depressed Steel Town who form a rock band to rebel against personal conflict, romantic trouble, and broken families. This one promises angst in the X-Men vein without the mutant battles. Well... I don't want to read that now. I was just going to say, here's X-Men without all the fun. Right. Hey, do you like the X-Men, but instead of wishing that they had, like, claws and eye beams, they had guitars? Mm-hmm. No. Hey, it's Dazzler without powers. <laughs> oh, so we're in the Marvel section here. Again, they do it similar to how uh, DC did there, since they have so many books. Of course, it starts with the date of uh, shipping. And then just a random mismatch of the books as they come out with no real rhyme or reason. Right. Um, do you remember this Namor book? Because I want to read the, the the solicits. And this is the way you always remember Namor, the Submariner. The Submariner returns in this new series by John Byrne, which the undersea king moves to the surface world to meet the human race in the arena of choice, the business world. Namor sets himself up as one of Earth's wealthy, wealthiest men to protect the environment at any cost. Do you remember businessman Namor? I remember seeing covers of him in a suit, but I never read no Namor comics. Oh, me! I mean, it was John Byrne, so I would have thought of giving it a chance at the time. But I always laughed at uh, just the idea of you know Namor, like in his in his where he's uh, just born to be the business world. <laughs> He'll be swimming with a different kind of shark there, Todd. Oh, but he's a big fish in a little pond now. Oh boy. Uh, Moving along here to page 34 and 35. This is where we continue more posters. Right. And we get pics of what the posters look like. I want that John Romita Spider-Man poster. I want that Mike Zek Punisher poster. Well, I'm going to cash in my Punisher chips a little bit later on Mm -hmm. in the book as we're looking at these. But I do like how they get. A nice little write-up. And these are $5 posters, as opposed to everyone else who's selling them for uh, 8 bucks a pop earlier in the book. Well, those Hobbit posters were high art, Joe. And these are slightly cheaper than the $120 poster collection from Carl Bark. So That's true. Oh. So that X-Men from the Ashes trade paperback, I, I 
and again, it looks like it's the uh, Madeline Pryor saga, it says here. New Art Adams cover. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Conan 231, probably near the end of Marvel having Conan. Yeah, that's time. true. Probably couldn't have gone much further than that. Oh, they had a Police Academy comic? I had the Police Academy comic. I oh, I had. It the was Mary... based on the cartoon Police Academy. What? Not the movie? Remember when they would turn movies into cartoons for children, like like hard R rated movies into cartoons mm-hmm. for children back in the eighties? Right, as they should. Right, as they should. Uh, the Police Academy crew faces ghosts and goblins. A la Ghostbusters when they're assigned to guard a haunted museum, Joe. And hilarity ensues. No, I didn't hear anybody laughing, did you? <laughs> right. Oh, boy. Jim, Silver Surfer 36 by Jim Sarlin. Uh, the surfer returns to Earth to get more information on a small little-known character at the time called Thanos, Joe. <laughs> Oh, but he meets the impossible man. Impy feels the surfer is too serious and be- uh, begins teaching him how to be a fun guy. Uh, Joe, because that's what we need just before Infinity Gone. We need some yucks. And it says this also features an Avengers flashback with Captain Marvel and Warlock. It's like Silver Surfer himself is not enough. There's also random appearances from these other characters that you might like more. Which were, uh, you know, Jim Starlin's staple characters, so that's why they're in there. And I'll defend this, Jim Starlin. It, it, look at the, and again, I don't want to say audacity, but look at the uh, solicitation here for Hulk 368. It says, Sam Keith and Kelly Jones supply the artwork for this issue, giving new artist Dale Keown a chance to get caught up. Just no, blatantly just... saying, he's behind. <laughs> right, trying to get caught up on what, I won't say. Right. Because I believe, didn't he have some troubles with some substances in his past? I'm not really 100% sure about that. Okay. We'll say allegedly. Allegedly. And then here's a, uh, a you know, a fifth page print ad for Street Poet Ray. Collection of rap haiku addresses contemporary issues from street crime to international brotherhood in a hip style with a relentless upbeat message and occasional humor. If you don't want all listening has any idea what the hell Street Poet Ray is, please let us know in the comments. Right, right. But where are we at now, Joe? Page 38. uh, More Conan stuff. Marvel just milking that rock that is Conan before they lose the rights to it. But there's also a Nightbreed comic that's debuting, and I'm almost certain that I have that. As uh, I was a little bit more on the horror side of things than I was on the comic book side of things back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Right. Um, And I remember their offering again over here, like the, remember when Marvel was doing those graphic novels and they have the Death Captain Marvel, which was like in constant print. And that's big because we're getting back into, you know, the Thanos stuff. But uh, I remember a lot of uh, them... I'm trying to think like uh, God loves man kills and everything. Those were like expensive books for, for like, you know, me back in the day, but I, I loved all the Marvel, uh, all the Marvel graphic novels. So, uh, you mentioned those, uh, I, I forgot to mention the night breed solicitation. It says resolicited from previews one twenty one. So, uh, you know, letting you know that this book, uh, has a new date, right? It moved. 
Uh, now it's... to the publisher entitled Now Comics. I remember that, Now Comics. That has a Speed Racer, Green Hornet, Real Ghostbusters, Terminator, uh, the aforementioned Meredith Children book, a uh, Fright Night book. Ooh, ooh, I would want that. 20 issues of Fright Night. Slimer book in addition to the Real Ghostbusters book. Who was created by Linnea Quigley's husband. See, it all comes back together. Oh, it's almost like we know what we're doing, Joe. I I had the Married with Children comic because I was big into Married with Children at that time. Yeah. So I may have purchased a few copies of not not multiples of the same issue, but a few, you know, into that run. But just looking things over here, Pioneer Comics with uh Mandrake, Prince Valiant, the Phantom, and then the Ultimate Mandrake. <laughs> okay. Instead of the Ultimate Warrior. If you say so. I do. Now, Slave Labor Comic, of course, only has two books this month. But on page 42, they get a full-page ad for those books. Well, they have a swimsuit portfolio, Joe. There's another portfolio you can buy at eight ninety five, And it has, you know, it's all cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Chuck Austin treats us to a look at our favorite hero sandwich characters at the beach. Todd, name one hero sandwich character. Um, Melanie? I'll take your word for it. I oh, you read it... above it where it says Melanie. Okay. <laughs> Allison? Yes. Rachel? Uh, look at all those hero sandwich characters. Austin, now the writer-artist of strips for Rip Off Press is known for the ability to draw beautiful women. The signed and numbered version of this portfolio has been sold out for over a year. This edition will not be signed and numbered, but will be limited to the actual amount ordered. Oh, so you'll never find one of those because everybody kept them forever and ever. Touche. How you had mentioned before, the publisher that was putting out a book entitled, was it Oriental Heroes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Survival Art Press, putting out a book entitled Waffen SS, with the uh, SS logo right on the cover of the book. That does not fly in 2019. I'm not sure how the hell they got away with it in, 2000, in 1989. Right, but it's probably a historical, like, you know, reenactment, so it's okay. Mm. I'll take your word for it. Oh my god, it actually has realistic W World War II action from the point of view of the dreaded SS divisions. Who wants to read that? Nope. Hey, here's a comic about <laughs> World War II where the bad guys win. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. Ugh. Now next, from Trident Comics, again a publisher I know little about, they get a full-page ad, and they're talking about the Antichrist at Live Aid and a lot of stuff by Eddie Campbell who did uh, From Hell with Alan Moore, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't remember either of these, to tell you the truth. No, no. And then as we get to the end here, late comics get their own separate uh, section. Late comics isn't a company, they're comics that are late. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just so you know. Yeah, there's only a few, a lot less than there would be in this day and age, but page 46 has a book that's being published by, who's putting that one out, as I just looked at it here, by Viz Comics, another company that today still is in existence, doing lots and lots of manga. 
fun love wanted fun loving space adventurers for one year's service as fugitives from the pirate guild interested parties should contact cobra not to be confused with the gi joe adversary Mm -hmm. Uh, if you can keep a sense of humor with hundreds of bloodthirsty space pirates trying to blast you from the cosmos this is the job for you all sentience, humanoid, alien, or robotics, welcome, good-looking, scantily-clad women preferred. <laughs> uh, apparently some sort of uh, manga with the English adaptation by Marv Wolfman. I'd really like to imagine Marv Wolfman home with his, you know, uh, English to Japanese dictionary, or Japanese to English dictionary, <laughs> trying to, like, you know, translate uh, this this book. That that's what That's the story I want to hear. I think a little bit more time and effort gets put into these translations today. I can't imagine more gets put in uh, then than it does now, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So we are now into the books section of the comic books. We are done with comic books at this That's, point. We're only 47 pages in the previews and no more comics at all. Right. Uh, the rest is going to be just different books different reprints the aforementioned calvin and hobbs books remember the hot thing that was going around where they would like comic strips were like hotter than comics i would say mm -hmm. and everything from uh, garfield we're seeing here calvin and hobbs the far side everything else this uh being solicited is the one two three four five sixth book of calvin and hobbs uh pr you know reprints of comic strips you know Right, I mean, and everything's old. That everything that's old is new again. We're getting new Far Side stuff. I'm hearing the rumors on that new Far Side webpage. So, but I I remember when Calvin and Hobbes was huge. Far Side, Garfield, all of it. I, yep, comic strips were were the thing around now. Oh, this this previews. I was gonna say back before uh, Calvin was known for peeing on the number of your <laughs> least favorite uh, car Sports. or NASCAR driver. Uh, what about sports team or I wrestler? I see a lot of the sports teams ones. I still see cars, and I still see, uh, you know, him peeing on, like, the number three or something. Right. I, I bet that fills Bill Waterston with pride to see that. I'm sure he makes a lot of money off those. He does. Oh, he's – that's one of them that he's he's a stickler. He goes after any time he sees somebody selling those. He's really strict with his trademarks. Good for him. I, yep. So moving along, lots of stuff, reprints of like alien stuff, like H.R. Geiger stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of horror stuff. Horror was hot back in the uh, late 80s into 1990, a.k.a. the year of the zombie. Well, you, what, don't you think it would be? Or, or, we're get, going right into 1990 now. So I'm hoping there's a ton of zombie stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Page 52 has one, two, three, four, five different uh, publications, something of blueprints of lost in space items. I loved, I'll be, I'll be the first to say, I loved blueprints back in the day. I used to have the Knight Rider blueprints. I had uh, Next Generation Enterprise blueprints. I did not have any lost in space blueprints, though. Maybe I'll have to get on eBay and we'll go look for them. Moving on to page 53 here, we have so many Doctor Who magazines. <laughs> what? So many. They had Doctor Who Monthly, which was the 
the the pretty much and then these were all specials on certain individual episodes like the ark in space or the santarin experiment all classic and this is this is the wheelhouse all fourth doctor joe mm-hmm. 54 lots of video game magazines tons and tons of horror magazines mm-hmm. mad magazine with absolutely no write up but just looking at this those import Japanese magazines, like those are wild prices, man. Mm-hmm. All like over $12 and just, yeah, I don't even remember because my, my comic shop, this was before comics on the green, never carried any Japanese magazines. A lot of back issues of Fangoria in here, back issues of Starlog, Cinemagic, Thrills mm-hmm. and Chills. Ooh, that sounds like one. Oh, magazines a lot of nostalgia there yeah do they even they don't and if you get a magazine today they're a pamphlet joe uh-huh for like it's, $9. it's either a pamphlet or like a 15 dollar book that comes out quarterly that's ginormous right so it's square bound at that point yeah now we're into the games and miniatures and this is not for me this was never my uh my racket if you will um, Dungeons and Dragons stuff. So when we hit that, that's probably be my, you know, as we scroll through, but I never did the, uh, like painting the miniatures or model kits or anything like that. Uh, and anything that wasn't Dungeons and Dragons related Marvel comics, like role-playing or DC role-playing. Those were my, those were the only three that I did. I see like, just like the Dragonlance books are in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, West End Games has two different Star Wars adventure role playing things. Yep, I remember when they had uh, they had that West End was the one for uh, Star Wars role playing games. Oh, now look at this! Escape from the Death Star board game designed by Stephen Hand, creator of Chainsaw Warrior and the Fury of Dracula board games, puts players in the roles of Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewbacca as they attempt to escape the Death Star. Play begins deep in the heart of the dreaded battle stations, detention block, and it moves through the twisting corridors and eventual freedom via the waiting Millennium Falcon. The set includes a map of the Death Star, four stand-up playing pieces, four player pads, three dice, 117 encounter cards, and a chart sheet. I want to look up to see how much this is worth today. But I want to know if the if this game cheats, because in the movie, they let them escape, Joe. Remember, so they could tr- follow them to Yavin. So this game makes no sense as I push up my glasses at the bridge of my nose with my finger. Oh, it's not as expensive as I would have thought. What's the what's the wheelhouse of Escape from the Death Star game? Uh, it looks like you could buy it with the box together for like 25 bucks, which is the price that it is here. Mm-hmm. Or you could buy it without the box, just kind of like the loose pieces laying around for right. fifteen bucks. That's not bad. No, now they did. It looks like they did a remake of this, um, back when they were doing like the Power of the Force figures in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Where it's the new box, it has some new art on it, and it comes with uh, like action figures instead of like the little cardboard standees. I want to say. That the Escape from the Death Star game, I may, me or my cousin may have had, but I'm trying to think. Probably it was my my cousin. 
If you look it up, they have pictures of what the game board looks like, and as soon as you see that game board, you're either going to immediately recognize it or be completely bewildered by it. Okay. Uh, eBay? eBay. Just put Escape from the Death Star board game in. It's, you know, me and I'm my super fast uh, typing. Right. So I'll let you fill dead air while I... Right. So moving along uh, in here, we're already up to page 60. And, oh, this is a good point for us to talk about. A giant full-page ad that says, We've moved. Our monthly baseball card offerings are now in an entirely new monthly catalog. It's the same mailing with previews, but you will receive our new monthly baseball card catalog. This new exciting catalog will feature all of the coming items from Don Russ Fleer's Score Tops and all the other card manufacturers, including minor league team sets, non-sports cards, and supplies. That's how big comics were, and or how big baseball cards were, and how little comic book cards were, that they've moved out of the comic books catalog. That In will that, change. Right. In that truck with the diamond uh, symbol on the side. Yes. Um, which they still use. And yes, I saw that. Uh, I'm looking at that Death Star game. That is the most confusing thing I've ever seen, and that, nobody in my family owned that. <laughs> Now, this is the part where we're into here where it says additional coming items. Uh, you could purchase uh, some leftover stuff from the hit movie from 1989, Batman. You can get a copy of it on VHS, a Batman or Joker baseball cap. Uh, they also have button sets, bumper stickers, uh, card stickers, and T-shirts, Todd. Oh, these T-shirts. You wouldn't want uh, the Wolverine Untamed sticker box? I would. I want all the stickers and I want all the t-shirts that are in these next several sections. A Wilf's Pistachio uh, Punisher t-shirt. I miss these uh, these shirts that would have like that big crazy oversized, pr- like the all over print on them. Like the Punisher Spidey one by like, Eric Larson? Yep, the Punisher Spidey one, the Excalibur one on the next page, the Nightcrawler one on that same page, and you wanted... The Mike Zek Punisher uh, poster. I want that same imagery on a T-shirt. Well, it's named after the person it would be wearing if you got it. Punisher Big Nothing T-shirt. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a uh, Spider-Man sweatshirt with McFarlane art on it. Why, why, why do not the companies who made these before reprint these? Because they, I don't know, maybe they got to pay McFarlane. Who knows? But not even that, like, I'm sure there's ones that they could redo, reprint, or whatever it is. I don't do you, know. Do you want an Archie Jughead Hatman sweatshirt? No, but that is that is a, a clever pun there. I do, on the next page, want a $72 Betty Page satin jacket. Oh, it, come, it comes extra large is what you need? No, I might, you might need to take that one out a little bit. I tried a satin jacket on the other day. and uh... <laughs> I now have a bounty for a Betty Page satin jacket. <laughs> Anybody can get me one. I'm paying a bounty for it. More posters, more portfolios. Uh, moving on to page 66 here. There's some lower, uh, some smaller companies where we don't get what's on the shirts. We just get descriptions of the shirts. A Miracle Man costume t-shirt, an Airboy mug, and spinner racks and uh, wire racks to put your comics in if you're a retailer. Right. If you want them destroyed, these are the things for you. (laughs) 
I, I always hated spinner racks. Spinner racks are nice and nostalgic and look good. But as you spin them, the centrifugal force bends the comics. They're terrible. They're absolutely terrible. So I understand people wanting them because the sound and everything, may, you know, reminds them. But I always was, again, I'm not Mr. Mint on Mint on Mint. I need these, you know, my comics. But I always thought spinner racks just literally destroyed comics. I don't know. It's a, it's a memory, you know? Sure. So page 68 here, we have a ton of uh, enamel pins, so we could skip that. Slow down, son. <laughs> Slow down. Let me tell you right here. This this was, like I said, because we didn't get prints, uh, or, or we didn't get the pre- I didn't get the previous back thing, so pins would just show up in in here and um not so much the star trek ones but i i did have a communicator pin um but i do want the nightcrawler pin i want the long shot logo yes sir i'll take one of those rogue not so much the x-men symbol but a marvel pin starter pack yes please what's in it who cares send that my way um and i'm hoping because i remember they had as we go they will have more and more and more uh marvel had Tons and tons of p- pins at this time. And once again, good thing they're coming back, Joe. Pins are back, so I'm a happy man. Well, one thing that I'm glad is back is prints. They don't sell prints like this in previews anymore. There's a real cool Ron Lim Silver Surfer print, mm-hmm. uh, Dazzler prints, Elric prints, uh, something called the Stealer of Souls print. Kaluta, of all people. More posters, more prints, a bunch of Bernie Wrights and stuff. Ooh, that's really nice. Right, so you could sell it for a million point two if you have the original. Did you see that? uh, Oh, sorry. Frankenstein Lab. You know how the 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 thing that's on the wall in the shop. Yes, yes. That sold for a million two to Frank Darabon. Oh boy. Yep. So. But I would, I do miss poster Roger Rabbit wet nurse poster. Mm-hmm. That ought to be interesting. More poster. There's an ad there for Horizon selling a bunch of uh, anime inspired posters. Uh, I want the Dirty Pair Two on Bed poster. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe if you're good for next Christmas, Joe. All right. Uh, next page: Ninja Turtles poster by Eastman and Laird. Cover of Volume Two of the book. A Bart Simpson poster. Uh, the full cover poster features Bart Simpson, the radical dude, and oldest son from The Simpsons, the new Fox animated series spinoff from The Tracy Ullman Show. Oh, boy. Eh, that'll never amount to anything. Mm, I didn't do it. Um, but I remember those those turtle posters because they were, and it says in there, it was the cover of the uh, first comic reprints by first comic. Oh, so they were the they were new covers that they did for them. Um, and now we have toys and models with Horizon kits, Batman vinyl. I hear they even made that bargain basement Batman kit later on down the line. Okay. Oh, uh, as yeah. But, but I remember Horizon model kits. Yeah, I miss vinyl model kits. These are really neat, and I like that full page ad there too. You know. Right. Um, uh, a bunch did, of bendy figures. Remember, bendy figures were a thing. Yes, I do. That everybody had that Punisher bendy figure back then. And also, uh, we had mentioned before that there was a separate section about books that were late or canceled. Here are changes 
two previously solicited T-shirts. Uh, the Thor shirt will now feature a full cover, full color graphic of Thor. Uh, the Doom shirt change and the uh, the Thing T-shirt change. So that's interesting. And hey, remember when previews also used to sell bootleg videotapes as well? They were real videotapes. They weren't bootlegs. Uh-huh. Uncensored animation, Merry Kittens and other 30s classics, and snappy star tunes. Mm-hmm. Featuring Casper, Popeye, Bosco, and Cubby Bear. These were all the stuff that fell into a uh, public domain. It's okay. Mm-hmm. The same way the, 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 the Fleischer Superman cartoons are public domain. I wonder on the uncensored animation, those hot tamales, salt and pepper, and five more from the late 20s, early 30s exist on YouTube at this time. They probably do, or another website similarly. Right. Let me look. But We're talking. I like, I like the, the, that they have the Teenage Mutant and Turtle Cowabunga shred, Shredhead video. The Turtles tackle Shredder and his foot soldiers in a new compilation video from the hit syndicated TV series. It includes two whole episodes, Joe, for $15.95. And uh, Hot Tamale uh, is on YouTube. (laughs) Send me the link. I'm watching that later. Um, But I'm just mad that the – I don't know what's going on with this Dr. Doom shirt uh, because I do want to have – it features the Latvian monarch in all his evil glory. Black T-shirt, I would buy one of those. And I know they have it in my size probably. I doubt that. Yeah, no size listings there either. It's just like you get the shirt for 13 bucks and hope it's your size when it comes in. Mm Mm-hmm. Just stuff yourself in. Uh, full page ad. We're getting toward the end of it here. The Kevin Stacy's Tempest or Kent. Listen to me, Kevin Stacy. Foof. Ken Stacy Tempest Fugitive. Mm-hmm. No idea what that is. I don't remember that either at all. The full page ad for uh, Grant Morrison, Klaus Jansen, Dark Knight, Legend of the Dark Knight Gothic book. Mm-hmm. And then this is recent arrivals. I guess stuff that didn't make the cut to be in the rest of the book. Okay. We have Akbar and Jeff's Guide to Life. I have this. Uh, you know, Matt Groening got hot before The Simpsons. Hmm. Uh, well, while The Simpsons got hot on Tracy Ullman, anything else that he was doing got hot, which was this comic strips that he was doing, the Life and Hell series, and then Akbar and Jeff. Uh, meet Akbar and Jeff, a Bethesda duo whose entrepreneurial inge- energies would put donald trump to shame (gasps) within the pages of this new collection akbar and jeff try their hand at everything from compact discs to cryogenics to channeling and liposuction binky bongo and sheba will be there along with akbar and jeff's nephews gooey screwy and a ratatouille it's just more life and hell i have all these life and hell and akbar and jeff books still to this day Mm, I wonder if Akbar and Jeff ever got into politics. Uh, let's hope they did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, continuing on here with like those late editions, an Arkham Asylum poster by Dave McKean, which looks awesome. And that complete Frank Miller Batman with the faux leather, whatever, whatever. Right. Uh, retailing at $30. I purchased that when paperback booksmith went out of business at the Viewmont Mall. Ooh, did you get a deal? I did get a deal. I did not pay $30 for it. Do you still have it? 
I still have it. It's on my it's in it's on my shelf. I that think and I... along with uh, earlier, we kind of glossed over it. The greatest Joker stories. No, do I have greatest Joker or do I have stacked deck, which is the second one? I have stacked deck, which is the greatest Joker stories ever told. Volume two. I st- I think that complete Frank Miller Batman that version mm-hmm. goes for a pretty penny now. Uh, I don't know if mine's a first print though. You know what I mean? I think it's like a ninetieth print. Okay. Well, I thought they only made this complete that version once. I mean, there's been a million versions of like reprints of the Frank Miller Batman, the complete Frank Miller Batman. But I want to say that is weird like because i think we had one at the shop on the wall for for you know for more money than 30 bucks nah I mean, you know i'm looking here again we we pull up ebay of course mm-hmm. the gauge for these sort of things sold listings and you know it ranges anywhere from like 13 to 20 bucks oh okay it must be something else then yeah i misremember things joe what do you has the built-in bookmark yes the ribbon yeah now, I do see here someone is selling vintage, rare pair of those books, and it's those same two that I have, the same two, the stack deck and the Batman Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. and someone sold them two together for 75 bucks. There you go, Joe. There's your money maker. Yeah, the price fluctuates wildly on that book as I'm looking at it here. I wonder if <laughs> stack deck is maybe the more expensive of the two that jacked the price up on that lot, you know? You never know. And Encyclopedia of Monsters. Oh, first 200 years of Monty Python. Yucca yucca. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bunch of Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge stuff at the end here. A little Abner collection. Omaha the Cat Dancer. Why do I th- know? Like, why is that a thing that's in my head? Because that was adult material at the time. Uh-huh. And that's all I remember. That was like, you know, and that that was big. I remember Omaha like winning, maybe winning some awards or something like that. But it was like something that you weren't going to find in the comic shops because you didn't want, you know, it wasn't like hardcore. But I think there was cat nudity, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, but also, I remember Omaha. Also included here in the back, X-Men video. The X-Men come to animated life as their first TV episode singular returns on tape the premiere episode features kitty pride's first day with the x-men professor x cyclops wolverine storm colossus nightcrawler and dazzler in a battle with the menaces of magneto and his brotherhood of evil mutants runtime is 23 minutes that'll cost you 26 dollars in 1989 money right almost a dollar a minute and then as we're closing out things here you had mentioned before um the teenage Mutant ninja turtles vhs that had two episodes of the tv show on it here is another uh which has the first two episodes post the uh uh five issue the five episode uh debut you know right that was a deal at the time that's right and uh, like i said we're at the end outside of the back cover which is just solicitations for the rest of the stuff that's on the front cover uh, Death in the Family, Killing Joke, Judas Contract, Great Darkness Saga, and uh, Justice League A New Beginning. But they do have the sellings here of the top 20 new books and the top 20 backlist bestsellers. Mm-hmm. And I will say that on the top 20 new books, Gotham by Gaslight is number one. So even 30 years ago, Batman was the big seller. 
That book was huge. That book will come into our comic shop in like swaths of like 20 at a time. That's oh, how yeah. big, like, yeah, that's, he'll always have Gotham. I think at one point he bought a collection that had 30 Gotham by Gaslights and he was selling them for like a buck 50 a piece. Oh my goodness. You know? So that's it. That's the end of uh, 1989 December's previews. Mm-hmm. So I guess what have we learned? What have we gleaned? What are our hopes for the future of the comic book industry? Um, I my hopes are that I don't go broke seeing a lot of this merchandise later on in the in these previews that I need to get because I didn't get them at the time they came out. Um, mostly pin sets and other stuff. And we also the future of comics we haven't reached it yet. Um, we haven't hit like full on Rob stuff the Rob yet. So that's when that's when the good stuff will come. That's when the world of comics will change and forever. And that's not too far away, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Let us know what you thought. Hopefully this is enough to get you to subscribe to the Patreon. A dollar a month is going to get you both this uh, as well as the Babbling Brooks, where Todd and I are going to discuss the film viewer of the great filmmaker Mel Brooks. The $5 a month, folks. You will get not only these two new shows before everyone else, about two weeks before the dollar, folks, but you're also going to get Long Box Heroes After Dark earlier than everybody else by a couple days. And, uh, you know, any sort of help, uh, any sort of patronage helps. If you're getting this from the, the main feeds over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to visit the store, our T Public store, or make any of your Amazon purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of the page. Mm-hmm. We greatly appreciate it. Yeah, and like I said, there's a new show, there's a new venture for us. Um, you know, I think the way things will work is maybe the Mel Brooks one will be like in the middle of the month for the $5 folks, and the previews mm. one will be at the end of the month, and then things will kind of like tear out from there, unless you want to do the previews one first, so the $5, I... the $1 folks will still get it in the same month. Um, I We could do it either way, I'm not really sure. We'll figure it out, I mm-hmm. have faith. Right. But I think we, you know, we, we figured out what we were doing and now I think future episodes, you know, we'll have the, the format a little tighter and good to go. Yes. As the, as we have the format a little bit tighter and the books are just going to get bigger and bigger as the months and year goes on. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening to previewing the past episode zero, December, 1989. Let us know what you thought in the comments on the uh, page over on longboxheroes.com, uh, over on the Patreon itself, or you can always email us, of course, longboxheroes at gmail.com. And uh, thanks for checking us out. We'll see you here next month uh, with more Previewing the Past. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.